If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It's episode 430 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcast, the podcast, joined today by the Jurgen Klopp of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about what was actually a massive, massive, massive weekend in the world of mixed martial arts, and I can't wait to get into all of it, but before we do, we must tell you that this episode of the podcast, like Manny, is brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped, and the summer is here, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to unleash the beach beast within you, Uh, and we're lucky that we have a lot of American uh, subscribers and listeners, because there's no fucking beach in Ireland anyway, (laughs) but still, actually, actually, tomorrow's supposed to be a fine day, 21 degrees, so maybe it's time, maybe the good weather is coming back, so if, if it is... Even if, if, it you, is. if you believe those weathermen, you believe anything. <laughs> you believe anything. Uh, what you need, Graham, is the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Um, they're going past waist deep or manscaped in the grooming game and diving headfirst into your facial hair fantasies. The Beard Hedger is a game changer, allowing you to shape your beard like a true beach babe. This summer, let the beach balls bounce and hurn heads all over the place. Visit manscaped.com and use the code SEVEREMMA to get 20% off and a free shipping. It's time to tame your mame and say goodbye to all the stubble, uh, trouble with Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Um, it all starts with that Beard Hedger. It's a cordless trimmer with 20 hair cutting lengths, so all, all in one guard, so no more uh, of those messy drawers full of uh, add-ons and all of that. It's waterproof, so you can do it uh, in the shower, whatever you want to do it. It has a titanium-coated T-blade, which is smooth, on your face but tough on here at the same time brings a single stroke efficiency and satisfaction each and every time the pro kit doesn't end there though uh, you have the four dermatologically tested formulations I always fuck up that word uh, for your post trim care um, the beard shampoo and conditioner first of all uh, they're different to your normal shampoo and conditioner because we all know beard hair is a little bit different a little bit more coarse and that's very good for them um then they have the uh oils as well which are uh the beard oil which is absolutely brilliant helps relieve uh dryness and in the cap it all off they have the beard balm as well uh which is a pomade that shapes and styles so uh the three free gifts in the beard brush which will help with that uh, and the comb and the scissors to help your beard be ready 
to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code Severa Manscaped.com. That's 20% off at manscaped.com. Use the code Severe MMA. Manscaped's beer hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lins. And while you're taking care of your face, one, why not go to Caldera Lab and take care of your skin as well? Because there's no two ways around it. Your face is most likely the first thing people see uh, when, uh, you know, when they meet you, your first impressions, the thing they notice about you and how your skin looks good or bad is uh, is that first impression and you know i think a lot of people tuning in here have decided to uh, make caldera lab their go-to and i would encourage you to do that too they're absolutely fantastic they're the leader in men's skincare and are here to save the day uh, and your confidence so use the code severe mma at calderalab.com to enjoy 20 percent off their best products um Caldera Lab, they create a high-performance men's skincare products, uh, and the regimen is your choice of their formula to transform your skin. Very easy, 30 seconds in the morning, 30 seconds at night, little time for a huge benefit. It's like brushing your teeth, as we as we said before. Uh, you know, you take a little bit of time, and over the course of a few days, a few weeks, you will notice the difference. And these products, obviously, that work similarly to that Um so what does Caldera Lab offer? First off, the clean slate starts your day. It's like a face wash. It's, it's a face wash that leaves your skin, uh, the, all skin types, refreshed. Then you have the base layer right after to moisturize uh, uh, and hydrate your skin. Even better, absorbs fast, leaving you with a matte finish to start your day confidently. Then the good is your go-to at night. It's a clinically proven multifunctional serum that makes your skin look uh, tighter and helps reduce wrinkles and all of that. So, and then the icon, which addresses the tree. The icon, if anyone from Limerick is listening to me saying icon, so I'm going to go to the icon, boy. Yeah. But uh, it, it addresses the tree most common skin concerns around the eye which are fine lines dark circles and a puffiness so caldera lab is made with top tier ingredients as we said and a legit show stopper 30 seconds of morning 30 seconds of night trust me it's all about getting the skincare unlocked for the better it doesn't get any easier than that so get 20 percent off with the code severe and make caldera lab.com that's 20 percent off at caldera lab.com by using the code severe and may jump into skin and a first impression royalty with Caldera Lab. Right, Graham, it's time to talk about mixed martial arts. Let's start off with the big one, UFC 292. And do you know what? I'm going to start with Ian Gary because what a performance that was from uh, from our own uh, Irish sensation, Ian Gary. It's, do you know what? It's, <sighs> we've talked many times, right, um, about we were so lucky to have someone like Conor McGregor who was... Uh, a whirlwind of a fighter who, you know, you obviously you saw him, Graham, doing the documentary and stuff and knew that he would, you know, you, you predicted he'd knock out Jose Aldo and all of that. And I think a lot of people very quickly kind of uh, realized he was amazing as well, right? And we, we often spoke about, lads, we need to temper expectations a little bit like he's, Many great fighters, many very good fighters have been produced since then, but it's very, very unlikely that we have someone that can go on that sort of journey again. But we were wrong because we have another one, and Ian Gary has quickly come along after Conor McGregor, and he's right there now. It's and and this is you might say, oh, Sean, what are you talking about? You can't compare it to Conor McGregor, but if you think about it, right, Ian Gary should be top. I would say definitely top ten, if not top eight, top seven. Uh, after this fight, he's calling out Wonder by Thompson in a fight which I think a lot of people would uh, would pick him to win. And then after that, you're talking title shots. So did this 
journey is well and truly like 80% underway. There's a long way to go yet, obviously, to reach the heights of McGregor, but to even have someone here for Irish MMA, it's absolutely incredible. And it's an absolute joy to watch. And, you know, I, I think we look, we've known Ian Gary since before he was made his pro debut and he was an amateur, um, you know, and gone through our WhatsApp group where was, there was this uh, Ian Gary fight. So I'm like, oh shit, this lad is going to be really, really, really good. So we've known it like, uh, longer than uh, almost anyone, I would say. But to see it happen in front of your eyes, Graham, it's fantastic for another Irishman to, uh, to be running his way through the UFC and doing it in absolute style brilliant yeah absolutely like you were saying you know it wasn't that long ago 10 just over 10 years ago where an Irishman hadn't gone into the UFC and won you know and we're kind of used to it now like we had like you know Connor obviously come in and we had like you know Paddy Hulan, Neil Seary Norman Park all these guys follow in and um, you know it kind of became the norm but like you know 10 years ago isn't that isn't that much of a isn't that long of a time if you think back in like other sports to 10 years ago like soccer or american football and things it's it's not that big of a span of time and you know uh it's really the whole landscape of irish mma and irish mma at the top level has completely changed past like what what could have been expected in such a short period of time and you know as ian said he was watching you know these these guys come up and he was watching connor and all these other guys on the, the uc dublin and all and that's what kind of got him into this. And that's what, you know, we, we, we were saying at the time, even back then, you know, the amount of, you know, I don't think people kind of realize or remember how many like young people, teenagers and young adults were, were like obsessed with Conor McGregor uh, on his run uh, to the, to obviously the very top and all that. And people were staying up till, you know, four or 5 a.m., 6 a.m. to watch these fights. Uh, getting all, all, it was all people were talking about for a while. So it obviously had a big effect on these people as they were growing up. People like Ian and other people we see, you know, knocking on the door of the UFC and in other big promotions and in the UFC and things like that. So, you know, a lot of credit has to go to you know uh, John John Kavanaugh and Conor McGregor and and all them guys that uh, came in to kind of you know clear the path for somebody like Ian to do this. But you know, besides all that, Ian has just he's just been phenomenal. We've watched his, his journey the whole time, the, the whole way from, from his amateur career and watched him improve. And, you know, he's had his ups and downs. He's had the dispute. He left, he left his team and, you know, people can criticize and say things, what they want outside the ring and not like his personality or whatever. But he, at the end of the day, he's made people care. People care. Like people cared about that Magni fight more than I've seen people care about a Magni fight in, in many years, if ever, if they were, on Magni's side or on Gary's side, it doesn't really matter. You know, people are talking and you go out there and you put on performances like he's been doing and, you know, you style on somebody like Neil Magni and just absolutely brutalize him. Like, absolutely, like, he kind of, to be honest, made a fool of Neil Magni. Like, uh, Neil Magni was talking, he's going to go in, you know, he's experienced this guy, he's just talking and, you know, you know, you, 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 you can't answer back the, the haters any better than Ian Gary does inside the cage. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. If people care about you and you're getting results, it's going to lead to big things. And, you know, it's hard not to see uh, really big things in Ian Gary's future after a performance like that. And after, you know, the development that uh, we've seen him make uh, throughout the years, uh, the the jumps in, in skill levels and execution and how comfortable he looks in these big spots and all of this stuff. Like, it's all really come together beautifully. And I, I liked that, you know, I've been saying this for years about many fighters and about Ian, and you've been saying the same thing. There's no need to rush this, you know, plenty of time. Like, let yourself develop. And if Ian had gone in, like, with a Neil Magny when his first fight in the UFC, it would have looked a lot different than it looked last night, you know. And if he goes in 
in if he had in three fights time if he went in with somebody like Neil Magny, it's gonna look even it's gonna look even better. So there is no rush here, you know. There's some very good guys at the top of the division, and I think Ian in the post fight press conference said it. You know, he's he's still on the trajectory that he set out, and he's in no mad rush. And Dana White was talking. You know, we'll probably do uh, Madison Square Garden, New York with Ian next, and then Dublin after that. So, yeah, I think uh, the UFC seemed to be in no mad rush to put him into a title shot. He seems to be in no mad rush. And I think, you know, the way he's been developing, put it off for a few more fights is is ideal for Ian for his chances of, you know, capturing a title or, you know, being as competitive as he possibly can at the top of the division. Yeah, well, I suppose we, we'll see on that. I think if he, goes, if he goes in there and he beats Wonderboy, although, like, if the plan is to have a fight next and it looks like it's not going to be Wonderboy, maybe Wonderboy in Dublin and then a, a title shot, I think, you know, if you're ranked top 10 and you win two fights, you're going to be on that kind of trajectory anyway. So I don't think anyone would get uh, too overboard about that. But to, to be even in this position and talking <laughs> about stuff like that is, is absolutely crazy. But, we, you know, we talked a lot about the UFC matchmaking over the last while, but this is exactly... Exactly, you, you said it there. This is what they should be doing. Like the road that they've given Ian Gary so far to get there, it has been like it's just been absolutely perfect. After coming out, you know, of Cage Warriors with the with the belt at what six and all, Jordan Williams, Darian Weeks, Gabe Green, Son Canan, Daniel Rodriguez, Neil Mag. It's been like a, a, a uptake in opponents every single time. Bit by bit, you know, not massive. Obviously, it was supposed to be Jeff Neal. That was the only one that fell out. So Ian's had very good luck in there as well in terms of not getting injuries or his opponents not getting injuries, you know, especially when he kind of, the, all the bad luck he had maybe in the last year of, of the, the Cage Warriors run, I suppose, with, with a few injuries and with the team situation and all of that. So it's been absolutely um, perfect for him. And now, the, like, it's, it is just over what just over two years as well since he won the cage warriors title he's had that little bit of time to develop and he's traveled around and he's had the time i suppose to bed into the new team and you know he's kind of become a bit of a nomad and you know it's 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 all gone well for him like it's all gone well you like you could think before like oh is it great to be going to brazil and leaving your team in america that you've gone with like is that gonna work well it did you know that the proof is in the pudding and it absolutely did like and i think with ian as well like we talked about a little little bit on the preview show about it it's like you know there was a lot of stuff in the press conference and you know the putting up the middle fingers and stuff and it's like I, I really don't think you need much of that when you're Ian Gary like be yourself you're an unbelievable character and fight the way you do and like he, I said it last night right uh, or I said in the previous show, like, it doesn't matter all this. Like, oh, oh, we can criticize it or we can say, oh, no, no, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that. But when he goes in there and styles on Neil Magny, all of that will be forgotten. And you said, you know, some people don't like him and some people don't like his personality and all of that. And some people absolutely love it. But when he goes in there and does what he does like that, th- that's just out. There's no question about that anymore. Like, everyone appreciates him as a fighter in terms of what he did there. It was, it was absolutely unbelievable absolutely unbelievable and we're like we're gonna have to start talking about him in a different way now in terms of like superstardom in terms of like the you know the way he gets there and i like if we're going if you're going to dublin in in a while i think i really think he needs to like re-engage with the irish audience that was the only thing i would say about ian over the last few fights i think he's not not that he's lost the irish audience but i you can't ignore and i'm sure he sees it as well there's lots of people you know the irish fans and stuff saying you know oh we need to see more of ian and all that like do you remember we, we had this with connor for a while as well you know when he had do you remember he'd like a bit of a dispute with rte and things like that and, <laughs> and all of that and 
he wasn't on the Lele Show. Well, do you know what he needs? He needs to get on the Lele Show. That's, and, I, and, you know, it might be a bit old school and all of that, but that's what he needs to do. He needs to, you know, get on off the ball, get on second captains, get on Severe MMA maybe even, you know, but like re-engage a little bit with the Irish audience. And that's the only part missing. Because if he does that, let's say over the next six months, then fights in Ireland. It's going to be absolutely massive. It's going to be absolutely massive because he has the talent, he has the ability and everything. And like what he did to Jeff Neal, if we just run through it, maybe if people didn't see it, he just came in. And he Neil, Neil Magny. Yeah, what did I say? Jeff Neal, oh yeah, Neil Magny, sorry. I, I, I'm i not the first one to make that mistake this week. We're all fucking making it. But uh, it, was, it was just... I, I put out a tweet afterwards and I was like he won every second of every round. And sometimes you say that and you're like, oh, well, maybe not. But he, he literally... like. At the start of the second round, Neil, Neil Magny landed maybe three jabs, and that was kind of it. Like Gary started off with the calf kicks, and once yeah, those straight calf away kicks, dropped him with the calf, with a yeah. hard calf kick, and it was kind of like, okay, was it. This is, uh, I think <laughs> Magny realized, oh, maybe, maybe this guy's yeah <laughs> not as bad. Maybe he's much better than I expected. It was funny to say for a fight that went to the distance, but that was the beginning of the end from like the first twenty seconds of the fight. Just kick, and like I, I think there was two big parts, right? As you said, the very first leg kick which he landed calf kick that knocked him down right and then there was a clinch after a few more calf kicks uh which magni had like we could say the dominant position on but gary just immediately turned him immediately got to a dominant position and that was that you know you hit a front kick right up through the middle magni just did nothing and like as i said at the start of the second magni landed uh, a couple of jabs but there was just more calf kicks gary stopped another clinch uh he nearly finished him at the end of the second round magni could barely stand by the time it came again and in the third it was even better because he almost finished him again there was a big slam at one stage that showed like he can fight on the ground as well and anyone who's watched these fights down through the years know that as well ended up on top at the inland and some big shots as well I, I scored at 30-26 I think you know you, or maybe 30-25 I heard you scored at 30-25 there was definitely uh, the second and third I think you could definitely have talked about as 10-8s but Graham, I, I, I wonder if people maybe, if they don't watch much MMA or something, maybe just tuning in to hear us talk about Ian Gary, maybe they don't understand, you know, what type of fighter Neil Magny is. And like I, I said, it, this change of opponent for Ian Gary was a massive change because Neil Magny is a way better fighter than Jeff Neil, in my opinion, way more well-rounded. Now, Jeff Neil is a, a harder puncher. But like when you're someone like Ian Gary, I think getting around a harder puncher is a lot easier than getting around what Neil Magny does now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, MMA math is not exactly precise, but no. Jeff Neil was dominated by by Magny over over three rounds a couple of years ago. So, you know, it definitely wasn't an easier matchup. And you know, taking a, on seven days' notice for for Neil Magny is obviously you know not ideal for him. But he's a guy who always stays in shape, as I said before. And for Ian, a big moment, you know, a huge moment, a big pay per view card heard from the top all that stuff it could have added like an extra anxiety an extra kind of wrinkle to upset his mindset or his you know his uh, plans but it just took it all on a stride like he always seems to do and it's just a, it's an absolutely brilliant performance you know uh people i saw some people saying oh he should have finished him but when a guy when a guy goes into full defensive mode like neil magny did yes. just trying to survive it's it's difficult and you don't want to take a stupid risk and you know it's mma anything can happen and all that stuff so i thought it was really like you know intelligent and uh, experienced beyond his beyond his like uh years or beyond his record uh, uh, meant the fights 
So yeah, I thought it was very, very high foot IQ, very good uh, distance management. Uh, you know, loads of like whipped out basically everything from his arsenal in terms of striking and even the the takedown and the the top position at the very end of the fight. He really just dominated Neil Magny everywhere, and Neil Magny just was like happy to get to the the final bell by the end. Yeah, I heard. I think it was maybe Chael said before. It's very hard to finish someone who has settled for survival. You know. Um, and that was kind of the case here very early on. Like, I, I, I actually, I think it was Keith Peterson, maybe. I think he could have slapped it a couple of times, if I'm being honest. But, you know. In the, the second round, I thought he was he was kind of approaching yeah. a little bit, getting a bit close. But in fairness, Neil Magny, you know, he's he's not going to give up in there. Yeah. And, like, it was one of those ones where he didn't stop trying to finish him throughout the whole thing. And, like, he didn't make any stupid errors or stupid mistakes as well while keeping it entertaining, while dominating. Like, it's very, like, people probably say, oh, what about Corey Sandhagen a couple of weeks ago? But, like, there was no point there almost where Corey and Sandhagen was trying to finish him. Now he was injured and everything. So, but you get what I mean. Like, this was very, very different to that. This was an absolute styling. Like, he literally, like, taught him a lesson in there for and for a guy who's what nearly 40 fights deep in his career for a guy who's only 13 fights deep to do that to him it was absolutely unbelievable like and like i'll say it again like neil magny is a guy who can push you against the cage and wrestle you and has the size on gary as well in terms of like gary's way bigger than most people but he's not way bigger than neil magny you know and he can make it like gary just made it easy on himself and we'll talk about the main event as well but there's something similar here i think where gary like immediately refused to be pushed back and like against a guy like magny that's first of all what exactly what you have to do and second of all easier said than done but Gary made it look easy he really really did like the jabs coming out the kicks to the body the, obviously the kicks to the leg which we saw are all destined to like stop Magna and it's funny because I interviewed him before for the, the Ross and Macman fight and he said exactly the same thing oh he's going to try to push forward I'm going to jab him off the back foot and get around that way and and, and I think he said kick the leg as well even maybe like it's he'll tell you exactly what he's going to do and you can't stop him from doing it because it's just once you do those things it takes away what your opponent is doing and that's exactly what Gary did here it was it was a really phenomenal performance like and the, the thing as well like we we spoke about Ian before like and he took a few shots on his way up and you know he'd be oddly you know be a bit open at times he didn't look open here at all like the only shots he took were as I said a couple of jabs at the start of the second and he immediately kind of closed that door and started jabbing Magni back there was nothing there like there was it was utterly flawless <laughs> you have to say it there's no doubt about it it was absolutely brilliant and uh geez I can't wait I can't wait it's great and like there was a lot of good Irish MMA stuff this week and a lot of good stuff coming up as well and we have a lot of uh a lot of roads to follow I suppose with Irish MMA but Jesus Ian Gary's at the top of that hill at the moment leading the way and it's uh it's absolutely brilliant to see and yeah, it's fantastic. Any any, uh, any closing words on that there, Graham? It was just brilliant, wasn't it? You know, yeah, it was brilliant. And in terms of like his, uh, like, you know, achievements in sport so far and the kind of story, you'd think, you'd hope that the, the Irish media and other media would do a bit of a better, you know, job of, of covering it on a wider scale than they, than they have been. They, you know, there's been, you know, articles here or there or whatever, things like that, obviously you know for for what Ian Gary is doing athletically and in sports there should be you know RTE should be 
putting stuff like this on the or six o'clock news and you know things like that and you know as you said ian gary should be on like things like the late late show or invited on things like that it should be you know more appreciation for for what he's achieving here in my opinion and not just what ian's achieving you know obviously there's we saw from fights we're going to talk about like people like brad katona trying to training out of ireland people like reese mckee signs of the ufc paul hughes lee hammond knocking on the door we saw how good uh lee's performance was against kurt uh Holabai, who ended up winning um you know the the ultimate fighter last night as well uh, and loads of these guys like pfl like like obviously the ufc is a big name and people like virgin media who've kind of dipped their toes in it with sean O'Bannon, and uh, like they should be looking to to kind of make a bigger deal of this in my opinion um for for the fighters and for themselves you know uh it'd, it'd be great if we could have you know, uh, MMA in Ireland kind of talked about in the same breath as boxing and other sports and things like that in, in coverage. And, and you know, I, I don't think the UFC are charging exorbitant uh, prices to uh, to Irish uh, broadcasters from what I've heard, numbers I've heard in the past that were made, offers were made to RT and things like that. So I don't think it's a big outlay, it's a big risk. And, you know, I think with a kind of new generation, a new influx of, of MMA fighters into the big promotions and especially into the UFC, I think, you know, it makes sense. And if anybody's listening from, from Virgin Media, you know, there's, you need some content hyping up this stuff, you know, there's pretty, some pretty obvious guys in the, in the country that, that could do a good job. Thanks, for Graham, thank <laughs> Well, like, I, I think, look, I've, I've stopped uh, beating this drum a while back because it's, uh, it, look, if Ian becomes like a champion or becomes a star, well, like why? Does, why? Like we look like, what these guys deserve proper coverage. You know? Yeah, this but is, they're not going to get it. Like we know that we we know they're not going to get it. Like everywhere has stopped covering MMA or never bothered covering MMA. It's just it's just the fact of the matter. Like like we are here doing it. So li- tune into us. You know that's grand. <laughs> that's my say. Like it, it was great before. Like when um when you Hugh, Hugh Cahill was on Irish uh radio on on two FM. I was on it, how many, 50 times maybe, which was like nightly number one station in the country stuff over and over and over again. But then he got kind of a promotion and is more accommodator now. And then his replacement had me on like once or twice and that was it. You know, they have no interest in it anymore. It was because he was there. Like, that's what you kind of need. You need like an editor in the paper who likes him. But there isn't any of them. I'm sure that we, we know lads have been gone out searching for jobs and papers for the last fucking 15 years and there's there's none to be had. Like, there's just none to be had. You'll get the odd thing all the time. Like, we, I'm sure you've got the odd offer and I've got the odd offer and other people covering out down through the years but like it could be two articles every six months or two articles a year or something like that it's it's nothing really like and they have no interest in doing it until Ian Gary becomes a champion or something and then there'll be a bit and then if you know a year later Ian Gary's no longer champion it'll all stop and even if he is it'll all stop again there's and like a lot of this, a lot of this has to do with McGregor. Let's let's be honest here. And the the class divide, I suppose, in Irish sport. You see, look at all the coverage rugby is getting on. They think of McGregor, oh, he's this Dublin scumbag, uh, uh, you know. And he's given them plenty of um, reason to believe that. In fairness, now, but like to completely stop covering a whole sport just because you don't like one person, I think is absolutely ridiculous. Like, what about the likes of? Well, I think I think before you know, when. Connor's, you know, fairy tale rise. There was no problems or no, you know, media stuff, ne- negative media stuff. 
they still the, the media still didn't want to cover it properly. That's they true. wanted to talk about how dangerous it is, or yeah. pretend they'd watched it and talked about how oh you kick each other in the head on the ground and you don't wear gloves and just just a piss poor attempt at uh, that's true. Pretending but that 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 was an older time, I suppose, with MMA. Now we all know what MMA is, type of thing, and now they're they know what it is and they're choosing to ignore it. Like I was listening to a thing uh, on off the ball there. What, probably about six months ago I think I mentioned on the podcast But they were like laughing at Oh how we were expected to uh, uh, Joe Malaya was on it He was like <laughs> The people were saying We need to get educated on this Before we could talk about it Educate It's like are, are you saying Imagine Imagine like if I went down like Research a, <laughs> What do these people Who do these people think we are It's like Imagine I went down like a lacrosse podcast tomorrow Or started talking about it on radio And like I've absolutely no idea what's going rules, on here know nothing about it Like yeah <laughs> Like that'd be absolutely Just utterly ridiculous Like and uh, Yeah or, or like if you do it just admit that, like we do. Like um, we did a podcast, and we were planning to do different podcasts on different things, like a TV shows or maybe a film or other sports and stuff. And like, you know, we're not fucking. Well, I suppose we are experts actually in association football, Graham. But you get know what I mean. We're not. We're not covering it day in day out. We're kind of fans of it. And you people know expert, that and expert like, fanboys, exactly. But people acknowledge that as well. It's like. With, with some of the coverage you're like oh there's the experts out there we're supposed to listen to these people is that it? it's like and they're like there's there's a bit to that in in even in mma as well like uh well, just because somebody's an expert doesn't mean they can't be challenged you know but you, you can't just come in with no knowledge of anything and start you know challenging things that you don't know anything about yeah like you know it just makes no sense but like why would you not bring on an expert and ask them about it like you know you're or, you know why is well, like this if they're okay, gonna talk about lacrosse they're gonna get some like a lacrosse reporter to of talk course, about it yeah. they're not gonna bring in some guy who's in the newsroom who's just like you know spare guy in the newsroom yeah but that's that's, that's what i was having like like look at it like look at say uh, and i like garrett but like look at garrett a. davis like he's a boxing guy look at uh who bt have on they have some boxing podcasts two lads off a boxing podcast to do it it's happened over and over and over down through the years and like it's it's just the way it is and like i uh, i actually regret us even talking about this because like i I just don't give a shit Like we're doing That job We don't need Anyone else to do it We can do it for Severe Mayor And doing it for Chardog or whatever We don't need A fucking paper To do that Like we don't need A radio station To do that Go and fuck themselves For these, them these fighters Their money making ability Like you know Would be increased If they got You know The coverage that I believe They deserve Yeah uh, Well In some ways Like I, I think I think someone like Ian Gary could still get on the Lele H or something like that, you know. But like, really, like, does uh, an article in the Star really push? Is he going to be Gary on billboards over? for like Budweiser or Burger King or you know, like Connor was before? Like, I don't know. No. I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't know. Unless yeah. he gets covered, you know, properly. Yeah, possibly, possibly. We'll, I suppose we'll we'll uh, we'll see on that one if he gets big enough. It'll, it'll all uh, all possibilities are opened up, but. Anyway, it's fun to even be having those discussions again, I suppose. Like, it's, it's been a while. It's definitely been a while. But, uh, yeah. While we're on the Irish talk, actually, let's just uh, mention uh, Nathan Kelly as well, who fought in, play- uh, in the PFL uh, playoffs cardios and obviously in the playoffs. And we'll get back to UFC 292. But um, a very good display for Nathan Kelly, Graham. I don't know if you watched any of his opponent before, Damon Nelson, but um, I did. And this guy... Uh, I, I, do you know, um, do you know, in pool, right? Where 
there's this you watch this lad playing loads of games of pool and he's absolutely rubbish and then like you're next up and he goes oh do you want to bet pool 50 jar. quid yeah pool yeah. Jar. do you want to bet 50 quid in this game and next thing he turns into fucking Ronnie O'Sullivan that was Damon Nelson for me coming in here like I watched a few of his fights and I'm like ah this guy is you know Ned Kelly's just going to kind of destroy him and he came in he looked unbelievable he hasn't fought in 14 months now fighting out of Sarah Longo gym the gym is obviously on fire at the moment like uh, and he would looked very good now Nathan Kelly did the job I thought he won all three rounds but it was a very tough fight and it will stand to him in future and the type of thing as well it's, I, I, I don't know if he would agree with what I'm saying there maybe he had more respect for Nelson's ability than I had but I thought it was a bit of a shock to the system seeing someone who's previously not looked so great to come in and looked unbelievable against you and to be able to still get the job done I don't think honestly people will realise how good of a win this is and I say that with the utmost shooting because I said it about Nelson last week I have two, two or three previews out there and I mentioned him and that I didn't think he was a great fighter but by God he looked good here but Nathan Kelly looked even better and it was a great win Graham wasn't it it was a good one to get through yeah, well, like you, like you said, when you're expecting kind of one thing from your from your opponent and a, and you're kind of greeted with another thing, it can definitely take you a little while to adapt. And you know, I didn't think he was in any trouble, but he did get hit with some shots. And you know, maybe one one thing you could say is maybe a little bit more head movement from Nate Kelly is definitely something he can take from this fight and work on. You know, if you can, you know, uh, still still win these fights in dominant uh, fashion and not not get in too much trouble and not take too much damage and you know, have things to go back and work on. It's, it's kind of ideal as you, as you rise up the ranks and, you know, um, kind of give you that uh, feeling of, oh, maybe if somebody comes in with a completely different game plan or a completely different style than I'm, than I'm expecting, you kind of have that experience already. And, you know, he's been around for a long time. He's really come into his own recently. He's definitely, you know, I thought he looked a little bit tired. Another thing in the third round, he looked a little bit tired. I know it was a big moment fighting in MSG in New York and, you know, famous arena. It's, it's, it's we kind of, we kind of gloss over sometimes how much, of a kind of huge thing this is like you know to fight in one of these absolutely world famous arenas that like you know some of the greats of boxing and mma and all this stuff have, have fought in so yeah there's a number of factors going on like you know and he has that experience now in, in his back pocket going forward as well so i think there's, there's good things to learn and it was a, a dominant decision win and you know as you said his opponent was much better than maybe if you're looking at his record you you would have expected and that nate would have been expecting and yeah, all around, you know, another another good step in the right direction and a promising, promising win, but definitely some things, you know, I'm sure he knows to, to go back and work on. Yeah, this was, I suppose, a case of win and learn, you know? Yeah, so I was, yeah, I was, but I, I got very, very good. And like the last fight, he went in there, got the job done in, in a round without taking a punch and I was all on the ground and everything. And now he's 15 minutes, I suppose, mostly standing. So yeah, the last that three fights were like long. that, like, you know, quick finishes. So yeah. it's good to get that kind of, to go, to go the distance again. And he's looking for a turnaround now as well to fight in, um, uh, in Dublin in December. So that's absolutely brilliant. Perfect, like you get the, the the tree arena feel as well. Then after I know he's had it before, but to get another one of them, absolutely brilliant. So perfect for him there. Right, let's uh let's jump back to UFC two ninety two and talk about uh the the two title fights. Um, another, another Irishman, Sean O'Malley. Like come on, Sean O'Malley. We've yeah. him since the start. <laughs> we, we're not gonna we're not gonna disown him now. Not a crowning moment. hundred I I said it there just over a year ago. Ireland could have three uh, champions and three organizations. Sugar Sean and Sheehan, your name. Uh, you on, you on, can't on anymore. If you change, you lose your verification ah, for like yeah. a week. Yeah, so I, I can't do it. That, I, yeah. yeah, I was oh, gonna yeah. do it, but yeah, I couldn't do it. So yeah, that's a pity. But um. 
God, this was very, this was such an interesting fight. I thought um, again, we like we spoke about a bit about it last week, and we spoke about it in the the preview show. Like, I really wasn't sure what would happen in this fight in terms of like who's going to lead the dance. Um, and it, I remember I remember saying in one of the the I think on the betting show maybe that I did over in Sherdog was like, this is going to be an even enough back and forth fight for the duration, like however long it goes. And I think. It was exactly that. It was like Sean pressured at one stage, Aldo pressured another stage. Sean broke out at one stage, Aldo broke out at one stage. But it was the countering ability of O'Malley that won him the day. Like uh, the, the first round, like Sean was able to beat the pressure of Aljo with those front kicks, and like there wasn't really much landed uh, in the in the first round, apart from those front kicks, apart from the leg kicks, and then there was a late clinch with with a few strikes, which you know probably was enough to take it for. I think all three judges actually gave it to Aljo, so but I do think his leg kicks were a little bit better too. But having said that, like I th- I think once O'Malley beat that pressure from um from Aljo and in the kind of the pocket Aljo was throwing leg kicks and trying to draw draw Sean out but he didn't attack really much at all especially with no kind of ferocity I think it really really took away the fight from Aljo I mean I, I, I'm so I, I'm very proud of our uh, coverage in the previous show because we talked about exactly this and like put this as like the winning and losing in a fight and it absolutely was it, do you know what this was and people might go back and watch this and think oh well you know O'Malley really didn't do much in terms of throwing strikes until the very last one where she landed but that's what won him this fight in my opinion like his ability to not get drawn into pressuring Aljo, where Aljo is really good at breaking out. If you watch any of Aljo's, Aljo's past fights, he kind of breaks that pressure with that front elbow. He has good size. He'll take you down inside there. He'll clinch you, and that's where he gets the back and everything like that. He's very, very good in that position. You saw the late clinch. You know, he won that clinch, and he hit him with a few strikes there, but there wasn't enough time to get the fight to the ground or anything like that. But when O'Malley refused to get into that, distance and you how do you know he refused because Aljo kicked him in the legs so many times towards the I suppose the middle or latter half of that round it, it was him just staying in that two to three steps outside of the distance where Aljo can uh, counter the pressure with what he does whereas in the second round and he I'm sure he would have done this in the first round if the opportunity arose Aljo realized that O'Malley wasn't going to come forward in the way he wanted him to come forward with a lot of pressure. And Aljo decided, well, okay, I'm going to pressure him and take him down against the cage, which in itself, right, is a very tough thing if you're O'Malley to let someone pressure you, right? If if that goes well, which it did, brilliant. But if it doesn't go well, you are going to have so many regrets in your head, like, because, okay, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, and next thing you lose five rounds, you know? If it doesn't go well, it's a very tough thing. At least if you go out and you pressure someone and you throw a big shot to them, well, look, I tried my best, I lost. These things happen in MMA. But this was a brave, smart, brilliant game plan, and when Aljo pressured, O'Malley knew what was coming, he knew he was a better striker, he knew Aljo would open himself, and he duly did, got caught with a big right hand and finished. It was brilliant by Sean O'Malley, and please people, give him his dues because he deserves it. There's no doubt about that. He baited him with a game plan, 
and absolutely fucking hooked him in near the end and finished him. Absolutely brilliant. What, yeah. what did you think of it? Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. Another thing I'd add in is, you know, he used feints really well. He was able to get uh, Aljo to react and, you know, he, Sean O'Malley looked really comfortable, even though the first round, you know, could have went either way. As you were saying, the judges all went with Aljo, but, you know, uh, O'Malley just stuck to his game plan, stuck, did a, you know, the, believed in his kind of, you know, ability and his his ability to to like even in the in the last the punch that dropped aljo the distance control just to let that punch slide by his nose before landing that left hand is just you know perfect really and so composed and i think um you know even though the first round might have went to aljo i felt like o'malley was in control of the fight the whole time and you know for somebody who there was rumors going around before the fight that he wasn't able to grapple for weeks before the fight because of an injury and I'm not sure if that got confirmed or whatever, but, uh, you know, uh, that, that was like a worrying thing to be hearing. You know, I thought if, if the, the feet was on, if the, if the, the fight was on the feet for a standard amount of time, O'Malley would probably win. But I thought that, you know, once if Aljo got him down once, was able to kind of wear him down a bit, that it was going to be a different, a different O'Malley on the, on the feet then after that. But, he he just he just looked so composed. He said himself afterwards he was really nervous, but you wouldn't you wouldn't notice that he looked like you know he'd been in championship fights all his life. Um, really, just just a beautiful finish as well. Like you can't talk about it enough. I saw people talking about the the ref calling it off. I actually thought he could have called it off a little bit before, and maybe the the moment that Alder got to his knees yeah. was was bad timing. It looked really bad, but like. I wouldn't be calling that like a bad early stoppage. You know, it just, it looked bad because Aljo was kind of on his knees, but even Aljo, you know, he kind of knew he was beat uh, by, by the way he was talking afterwards, didn't make any excuses and things like that. So, you know, fair play to him. But yeah, I think, um, you know, just absolutely phenomenal from Sean O'Malley. You know, he's come a long way in a short time and, uh, you know, maybe uh, some people don't like him because he's kind of put himself out there and kind of says what he thinks or acts a bit weird or whatever. But, you know, as we said about with Ian Gary, you can't argue with the results in the cage. And, you know, he wants to go back and avenge that uh, Vera uh, loss, the only loss on his record. And, you know, I'd be excited to see it. I'm excited to see Sean O'Malley against all of these guys. 100%. Just, just on the stoppage for me, um, I agree with what you said. Like, it was... It was badly timed more than a bad stoppage, I think. Like, and I appreciate what Mark Goddard did there because there was probably a point where he should, could have stopped it and he gave him another opportunity, right? And then he stopped it. When he didn't take that opportunity to go in and didn't stop it, there's not, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, the exact second he stopped it, it did look odd. Look, anyone, you couldn't... Uh, yeah. well, like, uh, the decision to stop it and the actual, like, stopping it of it is a couple of seconds yeah. difference, you know? Yeah, that, that's it too, 100%. But, look, we, we've spoken about Goddard recently and there's been, like, a couple of ones we disagreed with, but, you know, he... I think as well, if you kind of listen to him, he wasn't saying like, oh, move your position or anything like that, which in that situation, you know, will get someone to move into a worse position. I think he did it very well. And, you know, if he'd give him an extra one and then stopped it, it might have looked better. But then you're just like saying, oh, well, you're just making a rod for your own back there, really, aren't you? You're not looking for the uh, the goodness of the fighter. You're looking for the goodness of yourself there. So you should never do that. So fair play to Mark Goddard for stepping in uh, at that point. Uh, and fair play to him for giving the opportunity to, to Sean O'Malley as well, to uh, or, or to Aljo to, to come back. But um, yeah, I, I don't think there was anything wrong with it, really. He was hit hard. He landed a good few shots on the ground. Uh, and 
Aljo was like clearly badly hurt just before that and to give him an opportunity I will never criticise him for that but um, yeah and, and agreed as well like the Chino one is an interesting one like because Mirab is the clear and far away number one contender like there's no doubt about that whatsoever like they were talking about Aljo as well as being the greatest of all time at the weight class so is there like a, a call for a, a rematch there you know maybe but like Chino has that um, history with O'Malley? O'Malley called him out. He fought yeah, in the same wait, night. You know, it's not. It's not. It doesn't have to happen straight away. The history is going to be there, and you know, you can, you can. You know, it wasn't like even though Marlon Vera went down and won, it wasn't the most impressive performance. There was a one no. where you're like, I've, I've grabbed the title shot. Everything's kind of fallen into place, and it's undeniable. It's definitely not that. Like it was, I think it'll happen on you. Surprise, but uh, the way O'Malley's talking and. You know the the matchup is probably a lot nicer of a matchup for like I think the UFC wouldn't mind keeping Sean O'Malley with the with the belt for for a fight or two at least. Yeah, I I would tend to agree. I I think that's the one that will happen, even though it's probably like the at least the third most logical one. But look, that has smart in the move UFC by O'Malley to come out straight away and you know yeah. make that a thing, make that a narrative. You know, if you want to kind of you know we see with this lawsuit, if you want to kind of. Um, call the shots you kind of have to you have to make it happen or the UFC will kind of push you around 100% yeah so very good stuff from uh, from O'Malley brilliant and like Aljo to, to be fair you know not his best performance but I think people some people overestimated him and some people underestimated him as champion but it wouldn't surprise me if he was back and won a few fights and got another uh, well, got like another shot at victory it, yeah. if they were to fight again like of I course, wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he was to win you know yeah I, I really do think this was um a tactical win more than anything else to be honest and if the tactics change obviously there can be a big change in that as well but um, I, I, I'd I be interested to see it again 100% without a shadow of a doubt but didn't you go as well like the thing about when you become a champion you become immediately a few percent better look at Leon Edwards even like um, that, if that's again for O'Malley thing, uh, yeah. I think it is like, yeah. we've got to touched on it before 100% and just a, a last thing as well like you you mentioned it about O'Malley's kind of personality and maybe rubbing up people the wrong, wrong way and stuff like I, I wasn't too sure about it I, I've enjoyed it over the last while before this fight if I'm being honest but before that I didn't really like I was like and do you know what I didn't like I was like, I felt a bit bad for him because like he was driving this fucking Lamborghini and like getting private jets and all. I'm like, where the fuck are you getting the money for all of this? Like, I'm like, you are just putting a persona out there which you cannot afford <laughs> to do. And like, even still now, he probably can't afford it. But hopefully, if, if the, things keep going for him, he will. But look, he banked in himself and he won. So fair play to him. You can't, you can't deny that. So there'll be no hating from me without a shadow of a doubt. Right. Comment event Graham Willie Zhang and um, Amanda Lemash. Not really much to say in this one, to be honest. Just uh, well, there was a near, a near, a near choke from Lemos kind of out of nowhere. Not I actually really. thought for a second, oh shit, she's she's got her here, and you know, yeah, Yang stayed pretty, were well, very calm and kind of slowly kind of made her way out of the position. And there was a kind of another attempt later in the fight, but once you hadn't got it the first time and you're you've been beaten on and you're more tired, it just it didn't seem like he's so yeah, besides those two moments really it was it was all uh it was all young. Yeah. Uh I didn't really think that choke was was gonna work. It like she was put in a bad position. She kind of held on. It was a bit of a ninja was, choke. For, yeah, once she kind of passed to the side, it was over. But there was, yeah. there was a moment where they were kind of fighting legs for position. And if Lemos had got the kind of had won that leg battle, it, 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 like the actual arms looked pretty pretty deep in the choke. Mm, I don't know. I'm I'm skeptical. Like I I just think 
uh, I think Zhang was just on a different level. Like, I, I, and you're oh, right. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, you're right. Like, the movement of the legs to get her into the better position where she wasn't being choked was the key. But, like, you know, she won that key battle. So, but, I, yeah, you are right. Maybe I'm underestimating it a bit. But you just, like, chokes like that are, like, I literally have tries to choke, lol, in my notes here. <laughs> like, the chokes like that are never going to work against someone that good, you know. But, you know, just ground and pound well, me. Know how much respect you have for jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu players in MMA. <laughs> in, indeed I do, indeed I do. Um, look, there was nearly a finish in the first, and then after that it was kind of just takedown on top for the rest. The fourth round was relatively close. I think one judge scored that for Lemos, uh, but then she, um, Zhang Weili nearly got the finish in the, the fifth. There was a hard knockdown. I gave that a 10-8, so I had it uh, 50-44, I believe. So, uh, look, a dominant display. She just used her athleticism, uh, outstruck Lemos, like, what was it, 135 to 21 or something like that. Outrageous, uh, absolutely destroyed her from pillar to post um, uh, could she have upped it a little bit in maybe the middle rounds there possibly but she did try to up it late again this was one of those fights where very hard to finish someone who all they care about is survival um, and I think this was the case but uh, to be fair now as well with Lemos I think she all she cared about was survival, but then she actually went for Hail it. Mary's as well. She, yeah, 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 she did go for it. To be fair, so I can't criticize her too much. That's and like that's a good option for someone like that. You're against someone who's clearly better than you, and you have big power. Just fucking weigh it, whale your power at him, and if you can finish him, finish him. If not, look, you're going to lose anyway. So you might as well. But look, Zhang Weili, absolutely fantastic, uh, and now she's the two biggest fights of her career, maybe the three biggest fights of her career, right ahead if she can keep winning. Zhang, uh, you know. Nan over in China hopefully I think uh, Dana was talking about that uh, then Tatiana Suarez which is a bonkers fight I can't wait for that and then possibly Rosanam Yunus if she's able to get through that as well who's two wins over her so big 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 stuff ahead for Zhang Weili and uh, you know there's no doubt about it with Amanda Nunes away now she has kind of taken over as uh, as possibly the, the top pound for pound fighter uh, in the world for the women so and, and she's you know a great uh, representative of the sport and everything like that as well and top top level just a very high level stuff in, in all uh, areas so fair play to uh, to Zhang Weili in that one um, after that uh, we, we can run through it pretty quickly I, I suppose uh, Mario Batista and Damon Blackshear close fighting in I thought Blackshear actually won it the, 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 this fight and the Vera Munoz fight were basically the exact same one lad dominated the third round and the first and second rounds were very very close um, the and they kind of they both went the same way they went to the guy who dominated the third round Batista and Vera um, I thought Vera did win uh, and I thought Blackshear won, so I agree with one, disagree with another one, but I definitely understand them. Like, there's these, these were so very close. Like, I thought Blackshear fought so well um, against a guy who was like, it seemed had totally uh, outmatched him. And, like, if Blackshear hadn't fought last week, um, I I think he probably would have won. It was the only thing that uh, went against him here was his cardio and his ability to, uh, to keep going, like, two weight cuts in a week. I I definitely think he would have won without a shadow of it. What, what do you think of this one, Graham? And Vera versus Munoz won again. It was a good night for the 135 pounders, wasn't it? Some good quality uh, talent on, on the on display. Yeah, some very close rounds as well, you know. Uh, could have went one big strike either way, could have could have turned these could have turned these fights and yeah, they were very close and you know, I think overall this this card was was had some pretty good fights. Even the ones that weren't like, you know, um 
weren't back and forth dragging knockdowns and all that stuff. They were they were on a razor's edge and there was really close rounds and you know they kept there was jeopardy there. You know, obviously having the tough fights uh, finales on there as well. Like you know, there's a bit more jeopardy maybe than than just a normal fight. So you know, this event just had a you know a big kind of big event feel to it that we kind of we kind of <laughs> long for when we where we have these kind of. UFC fight nights and these apex cards and things like that. And I think like, you know, you can, the performances of the fighters, maybe they rise, they rise to the, to the crowd and to the energy more than these kind of rinky dink <laughs> UFC shows. And it just, this is a general more buzz and more excitement. And I think it like for nearly all of these fights, it, it bled into the, the performances. Yeah. hundred percent. Without a doubt. And like for, for Cheeto, you know, getting to that, uh, getting that win is massive because, as we said, we could get the title shot next. So, fair play to him there. Um, Chris Weidman, <sighs> like Chris Weidman, didn't look great before the injury, and this was kind of a continuation of that. But now with a guy who's basically on one leg, and then he got the other leg kicked out from under him, and he was on no legs. Um, I'm delighted. And even that before he got the leg kicked out under him, his timing was just all over oh, the place. Oh, he just looked rusty as fuck like he just looked like you know obviously once his legs were kind of gone he couldn't put weight on he was getting desperate he was trying to get a big shot big finish it's kind of you know the only kind of way he he could get he could get the job done so that's understandable but before that even it was just uh like you know if you if you didn't know who chris weidman is you'd be like who the hell is this fucking guy (laughs) what's he what's he doing out there like you know it's it's a he's a shadow a ghost of his former self yeah, I think Dana White said it afterwards. Even before, so. like, you know, uh, ruling out this, but going back even before this leg injury, this couple of years off, all this stuff, that rock all fight, that beating that Herb Dean allowed him to take, like, can can never be underestimated how much that took out of Chris Weidman and how he's never been the same ever since that that rock all fight, that beating he took. Yeah, that's... Uh, things like that absolutely change your career. There's no doubt about it whatsoever. But, yeah, as I said, Dana White said it afterwards, like, I'm glad Chris got back, but now it's probably time to retire. And I would I would agree with that. Like, absolutely delighted for him that he was, he was able to get back and have another fight and not go out on that leg break. But, you know, you got to a decision here against a good top 15 fighter. Um, it's not going to get any better than this, I don't think. Now is probably the time to bow out. But, yeah, he... Like... The worst thing that can go through your head as uh, someone watching MMA is like he looked a bit like kind of late stage BJ Pin there, um, and that's not good. You do not want to look like that, so it's probably time to step away now. When for, you're nearly uh, forty and you've been, you know you've taken the beating as we mentioned the beatings that Wyman's taken and you've had the injuries and all that stuff, and you just performed like that, it, it's a long road back to to where like Chris Wyman would be satisfied, you know. So yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he has sort of things going on that he can he can turn to or you know uh, start working and you know Sarah Longo are obviously like you know uh, like father figures to him and would if he wanted to I'm sure they'd give him a, a full time job in the gym and all that stuff where he could open his own gym. So hopefully you know we don't see uh, you know Chris Whiteman take a load of beatings for for a lot of years like we like you mentioned yeah. BJ Penn. I think he has a gym already. He has the uh, Longo and Whiteman gym, didn't he? So he started that way anyway. So hopefully. Uh, yeah, hopefully he'll do that. Um, we had the uh, the Robocop fight. Then a lot of people are giving out about this one. They thought it was a legal shot to the back of the head. Yeah, oh no! no. Um, like when somebody's turning their head, like yeah. you're you're allowed to hit anywhere except like the kind of like mohawk line at the back of the head. So the behind the ear but above the ear is a legal blow, and that's where that elbow. Yeah, I think was. it was legal 
anywhere. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think. Like, it might have grazed the, the mohawk because yeah. the, the head was turned as the strike was coming down. Like, that's a vicious strike. You're not going to be able to, like, adjust the angle of that no. like, as it comes down because your opponent's moved his head. Yeah. And, like, okay, like, I'm fair enough. The, the officials looked at it and said there was no problem. So, like, all's well that ends well. But, yeah, the commentary made a bit of a hash of it. <laughs> yeah, like, it's... Oh, pretty clear that he moved the head like and you know he present I was talking to someone funny enough yes uh, last week about this the present if you present the area if you present the target and it's hit that's that's on the preser- person who presents the target like if the shot is coming and it's lands and you have moved your head in between that it's how can you blame the person for that like it's 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 uh, you. I was I was actually talking to another uh, ref about it last night afterwards, and they were like, "It's one of those ones. It's kind of a bit of a grey area, right? Where we all know that is the way it's refed, and we all know that's the way it's called. But like, if you're to look in the rules specifically for that, maybe you wouldn't be able to necessarily find it, right? But that's the way it's it's always been refed, and that's the way it is. And like, yeah, I I don't think. But like you can't just like shell up and only allow like your part of your head, the back of your head. uh, Yeah, just cover everywhere else except the mohawk and just (laughs) yeah, no, just let every every. And like you know, we shouldn't be talking about. We should be talking about Robocop's brutal elbow. Brilliant, you know, absolutely vicious. (laughs) The one after it as well. Like, jeez, Christ, there are some there are some big elbows. Yeah, and he was smart as well because like he lost a couple of fights standing up. He decided to take him down, use that ground and bound. It was a brilliant performance for him. So fair play to him. Uh, then we did two tough uh, fights. Lovely triangle choke for Kurt Holliba after Hubbard kind of started well and that and a very good win for him. And then Brad Katona and Cody Gibson. What a fight this was. I think a lot of people were calling this the best tough finale fight since uh, the second ever tough finale fight between um, Stefan Bonner and uh, and Forrest Griffin. And it's hard to think of one that was better. This was an absolute bananas back and forth fight. Um, you know, Katona lost. This is actually better. It's obviously nowhere near as important, but this is actually a better fight. It's up there. It's. I think it's very similar, to be honest. I, I uh, may, maybe the, you know, Bracatone was behind, and he pulled it out like at the end of the, the second in the third round, and you know, Forrest was kind of in control of that fight. It wasn't as. It was. It was definitely a really good fight, but there wasn't that like you know, uh, who's going to win is swinging in in different directions all the time. Yeah, I'd have to go back and watch it. I haven't seen it in a while now, but yeah, you you might be right. Like I. I I also don't think we've, at that time, we saw as many great fights, you know? Uh, the great fights were more unusual. I mean, fights indeed were more unusual. So I suppose we're a bit, uh, uh, we're a bit lucky these days. We have many great fights. But yeah, this was certainly the, one the of pace, them. Oh. The pace of this fight was insane from yeah. the start. I was like, geez, I know these guys are bantamweights and they're both re- extremely fit, but like, are they going to be able to, are they both going to gas out at the end of this? But, the, you know, it slowed a little bit, obviously, but it didn't really slow that much. No. And, it was it was phenomenal pace, phenomenal from both guys. Obviously, both guys had like Bracketona in the first round ended up having like a, a hematoma growing out the side of his head or something. I don't know if something was broken there or what happened there. But then in the third round, obviously Cody Gibson got his got his face smashed. It looked like his orbital bone. Um, yeah, just just phenomenal fight and both guys. You could see how much both guys really wanted this and how much it meant to them. And you know, uh, definitely deserved the. The fight of the night bonus that it got. I 
one, just one thing as well on that. They, yeah, they do deserve to fight at night. But, you know, we've obviously spoken about John Kavanaugh with, with Brad Katona before. But they said in the commentary, and Dave Roach was in the uh, corner as well, that Brad has worked a lot with him over the last while. And you could see his striking has massively improved. And, like, spo- speaking to a few lads from SPG about Dave Roach, they all absolutely wax lyrical about him. I remember talking to Richard Kiley about him one time, and Richard was saying how good of a coach he was. And, like, a lot of lads are going to improve an awful lot having worked with him. And, you know, that's a massive thing for Irish MMA as well obviously with a lot of the, the big fighters uh, coming through SPG to have someone as good as Dave Roach in there obviously with John Kavanaugh putting it all together but yeah definitely a shout out to Dave Roach as well because he's a phenomenal coach and maybe doesn't get the, the credit like you know like a John Kavanaugh or like an Andy Ryan or a Rodney or whoever might get but uh, he deserve, definitely deserves it as well did a, a phenomenal job with, with Brad Catone and you know an Irish uh, tough champion as well as training out of Ireland absolutely fantastic so what a tough champ champ yeah indeed indeed indeed. Uh, joining uh, Jesse Taylor as a seven time tough champion (laughs) Uh, after that then the two Silvas won the Italian Jesse Taylor got booted off the first time did he not Uh, he did yeah he got booted (laughs) off the second time as well (laughs) didn't he but yeah Uh, yeah so good wins for the two Silvas and Petrovsky in there as well who walked out to Stildre which was absolutely fantastic right um before, yeah, obviously Kurt Holliver. Kurt Holliver. Yeah, we, we touched on earlier. Uh, Lee Hammond obviously had a yes, you know, a very dominant until it wasn't until he got finished, which is kind of uh, obviously it's not ideal. But I think you know Lee with a bit more experience, you know, he would have won a pretty dominant decision over this guy. And this guy's a as he's proven a very difficult guy. He's kind of. You know, he's had a run in the UFC before, but he looks refreshed. He looks like he's kind of on a mission this time. And uh, it was a good, it was another good come from behind win against Austin Hubbard, who's, who looked really good on uh, on the Ultimate Fighter. And, you know, fair play to, to Kurt Holliba getting the win. And, you know, for, for Lee Hammond, I know Connor tweeted out something about it. And, and uh, Theo Lander, our, our guy, asked uh, about it, Dana about it in the, the post-fight press conference. But, uh, you know, Dana, Dana's obviously non-committal, like he is on, on usual. But I think, you know, for Lee's confidence and for for kind of uh, measuring up where Lee is, I think it's it's very good. It's a very good sign. Yeah, and uh, Tio also asked Dana about Paul Hughes, uh, and he was like, "Look, if he's on the, the radar of the matchmakers, he has a, a chance, especially with all the kind of the the injuries and people falling out. So that's a, a good sign uh, as well, I suppose. There. So hopefully, we see another few Irish MMA fighters in uh, in the UFC in a not too distant future. Um, Right, let's talk about PFL here briefly if, you, if people didn't see it. And this, when I say briefly, I, I actually can say briefly here because this four PFL um, playoff card w- was finished in uh, like eight minutes flat <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Seven four points, fights. bang, bang, yeah, bang. Bang, bang, gone, absolutely. Ahina uh, Fahir knocked out uh, Maurice Jiu-Jitsu Green. Uh, in the uh, in the first round with a, a a punch and then some grounded strikes, but it was the grounded strike that really finished him. He knocked him down and then absolutely put him to sleep with a, a hammer fist on the ground. Alisa Pacheco in fourteen seconds knocked out uh, Alina Kaleshnik. I think for the third time possibly. Uh, Dennis Golsov got the arm triangle over uh, Jordan Hederman and then Marina Makathina beat Amanda Lybrook as well. So. Those four obviously will be uh, will be fighting each other in the finale, uh, and there's another PFL card next week, which is is really really good. A lot of the fights fell out actually on PFL. Before you move on, stuff. what what age would you guess if you don't know 
that uh, Satoshi Ishii is? I'm going to go with 43. 36. 36? What? I was like, what the fuck is going on? He's only a year older than me. <laughs> he's, a, oh, he's a teenager or something, is he? Yeah, he must have been. Christ almighty, yeah. He didn't look too bad. Like He, lo- he looked like Satoshi Ishii looks, but... Yeah. I thought he was going to be in his mid-40s. I was like, too, yeah. is that a typo? <laughs> mad, mad. Uh, next week's card is pretty good. Clay Collard against Shane Burgos, which should be an absolute banger of a fight. Uh, Alba Mercy against Miranda, which could be uh, could be close as well. Um, Miranda has been on a, a pretty good run. Um, beat Alex Martinez in his last fight as well hasn't lost uh, in uh, in a good few years I think six years he hasn't lost and so massive opportunity for him there Sadabu C the champ taking on Carlos Leal who's on a, a good run uh, and then Magomed Magomed Karimov is taking on Solomon Renfro and you know that welterweight division is an absolute banger of a division and there's some people on the undercard as well Abigail Montes who be, beat uh, Clarissa Shields is on it the um Grandson of Muhammad Ali, Baggio Ali Walsh is on this card as well. So yeah, plenty to tune in for there. Um, KSW had a card last night um, and the two champions came uh, out with their belts in the light heavyweight division. Ibrahim uh, Shuzagayev came through the storm as he always seems to do against uh, Bogdan Ginidko who kind of gassed and then ended up getting arm triangled. And I don't know if you saw this, Graham, but um, Saladin Paranas put on a bit of a beating on uh, Robert Ruhala and knocked him out with a grounded kick to the liver. Absolutely <laughs> unbelievable soccer kick to deliver and finished him there. Like Paranas, is he the best fighter outside of the UFC? He, he's right up there anyway. Absolute uh, animal of a fighter. It's a beautiful knockout as well by Kleber Silva down there in the, in the middle of that card as well. Uh, so good stuff from uh, from KSW. Um, last thing, Graham, here on the recap, and we look ahead to next week in a second, but. Um, Dana White contender series this week. George Hardwick went in there against Al Shalawi uh, and ended up losing after being a massive favourite. It was one of those fights you watch it, and just from the first round, I all I had in my head was like, oh my god, George Hardwick is not himself here. He's really feeling the pressure. He's his timing and range was all over the place. Everything is like he's he's one of those guys we've spoken about it before. He's just so calm and assured. And he was the exact opposite of that. Now credit to Al Shalawi for going in there and uh stopping him from being able to do that, I suppose. So it was it was six of one, half a dozen of the other. I'm not taking away any credit for him at all, but uh it, this really wasn't the real George George Hardwick and I think he'd be absolutely kicking himself after this and hopefully he gets another opportunity, but not not his best performance, Graham. Yeah, even like the look on his face as the fight went on, it was just like there was some kind of like something wasn't right. I don't know. It, it, it was just there was some kind of injury in the thing or he just couldn't get off or the pressure or the moment or what it was or an accumulation of a bunch of things but as you said he just he just didn't perform um maybe just a bad night at the office who knows but uh, you definitely have to give a lot of credit to his opponent he you know i thought he was gonna if he was gonna win he was gonna have to put george on his back a lot and uh, try and win that way but he looks a very well-rounded guy and maybe he, he took he took him by surprise you know maybe as we said earlier he was expecting one thing and uh, he got another thing and he, he couldn't adjust in time and he maybe a little bit of panic as as he kind of saw the, the UFC kind of slipping away from his grasp 
I, I don't know. The, yeah. it definitely, as you said, definitely not the George Harder we're used to. A hundred percent. Yeah, it was like he's in his last couple of fights, he's kind of just waited and waited and waited, saw what his opponent did and just took over and destroyed him. It was just yeah, like... The five rounds to three rounds thing as well, maybe, yeah. you know. And like, yeah, I, don't know. I wonder if people are still in this kind of mindset that, oh, this is Contender Series, I'm going to have to go in here and get a finish, you know, knock on, knock on, knock on, knock on, thinking that, and it's like, that's not the case anymore. Dana White's basically giving a, a, a contract to everyone who wins these days, so I think that mindset... Yeah, maybe if you just pump a leg for 15 minutes, Dana might not find you, but <laughs> not besides that, it looks yeah. like you're good to go. Yeah, I think so. And like... To look ahead into next week, I actually spoke to Oban Elliott. Uh, that interview's out in Shardog if you haven't seen it, but he's fighting on it next week against Kai Prado. Making people cry again, Sean. Yeah. You're, you're cruel. You're I'm cruel. always at it. I'm always at it. Uh, he's, he's a great interview. If you, honestly, if you haven't seen it, uh, he's he's so open and honest about all these things. And like, he's just he's, a man trying to make a dream come true, making no bones yeah, about it. Like, no. doesn't want to, you know blame anything on his past but doesn't want to hide you know he's open to talk about whatever whatever you ask him and you know you've got a kind of long running relationship with him and I think you know your, your interviews with him are, are a little bit you know better than, than most people's even you know if I am I appreciate it, thank. But yeah, his story is just unbelievable. Like his father was a boxer, and he passed away to you know uh, when when Oban was young, and he like his he spoke about his mother and like to to get to the uh, get to the UFC and just be able to kind of help her out and everything like that. And you know, Richard Shore obviously had the uh, had a battle with cancer this year as well, and all of that emotion is being brought into this. Like and like Oban has. Uh, is still working like he works on the railways like he's worked in Nando's all throughout this while while get, going through cage wars to try to be fucking a world champion and all this it's a mad story like if you yeah uh, if you haven't heard the old interviews and this interview as well I, I definitely tell you to tune in but he's a yeah, tough really like a guy if you watch yeah. one of his interviews and that most recent uh, that most recent interview I'd say like you know the contender series coming up where he's, he's fighting for UC contract is gonna is gonna be a lot more meaningful full to you and you know somebody who's you know even even now you see the videos he puts up he's he's kind of just a big a big MMA fan who's is, yeah. you know trying to make a dream come true and uh, you know it's hard to it's hard to root against that really 100% very tough fight though he's fighting Kike Brito who is the octagon champion and I watched a few of his fights I'll tell you if Oben wins this and gets through he'll have earned it and so will, will Kike obviously because Oben's a very very good fighter too but Jesus this is a brilliant 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 fight this could be on any UFC card uh, so I'm looking forward to the fight first of all and you know as I said may the best man win I, I can't wait to uh, to see that one so massive uh, massive one there on uh, on Tuesday night um, uh, that PFL card on is, is on Wednesday night as well and then during the day I think at 1pm on Saturday uh, is uh, Max Holloway versus the Korean Zombie in a card that this is actually like a pretty good card to be honest Anthony Smith and Ryan Spann Chika Chikadze Alex Caceres which should be an absolute banger Aaron Blanchfield is fighting Talia Santos which is a, a fantastic fight I like the look of Chidi Njikwani against Michael Olesheychuk uh, Keenan Song who obviously fought Ian Gary is back here as well this is a, it's a pretty good car, Graham. I'm looking forward to it. We, we might be able to even do the podcast early next week and, and get you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I always love watching the Korean Zombie for a lot of years, back to WEC. And obviously Max Holloway is a phenomenal fighter to watch, always entertaining. Uh, the the pace and, yeah, this, this has all the ingredients to be an amazing main event. You know, and as you said, there's some 
like you know the Aaron Blanfield Talia Santos fight it's, it's going to be very interesting to see where where both of these girls are you know these, this is this is a fight that could go a lot of ways and there's there's a bunch of fights on this card that are hard to pick and that we're going to kind of you know um you wouldn't be too confident betting either way and you know even the the Alex Caceres you never know what you're going to get with him sometimes he's he's out there and flowing other times he, you don't really know what he's thinking so yeah it's yeah, it's, it's for for like a a fight night card compared to what we're, we sometimes get it's not too bad at all indeed indeed all right i think that's uh that's everything um as i said a big week man, man united no uh, no no no, no, no so no, far no, shall we uh, no. comment no comment from me on that um we have a good segue there graham though we have a football podcast out with uh, ken early at the moment if you're not signed up to our patreon please do we talk for uh, about an hour and a half on uh, on all things association football and i think it's a pretty good uh precursor to uh the budding season so if you haven't checked that out uh please do and, and uh, you patreon. can listen to the first first 10 minutes for free if and see if you if you're interested and obviously if you'd like to support us we'll be we'll be much appreciated Yes, indeed. Patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And if you're one of those people saying, ah, there's no fucking coverage of Irish people in, in Ireland and all, well, we're covering it. So if you want to, you know, we're, what, what would we be, Graham? Three papers a month? That's the price we are, Fiverr. That's not bad. So throw us all Fiverr there on Patreon and uh, we'll give you all the coverage you'd ever need for Irish MMA. Right, we leave it there. Thank you to everyone for listening, tuning in, the support during the week. Shout out to uh, Tio, who did an absolutely fantastic job. Check our YouTube out. There's loads of YouTube videos uh, up there. Tio was on the ground over in uh, uh, in Boston this week and did a fantastic job, so check that out. And all that's left to do, Graham, is to get your quote for the week. Help me out here. All my words are falling short, and there's so much I want to say. want to tell you just how good it feels when you look at me that way. We'll see you next week. Good luck.